Hi there, and welcome to the Digital Tourism Show. In this episode, I have the pleasure of speaking with Sandra thomas Carnot, an award-winning marketing expert who has helped many tourism businesses worldwide. Me and Sandra have a great chat about how you can market your tourism business in 2021 and beyond, looking at what opportunities lies ahead, but also looking at the challenges and what you can do about them. So this is a great episode if you just want to get some more insights into marketing your business and not just listening to me all the time, but listening to another marketing expert. So welcome to the Digital Tourism Show, episode 256. So again, over as everyone knows, we tend to keep this fairly casual. You know, we have a general chat about what's happening in the industry. And in this instance, we're going to have a chat in terms of how we see 2021 playing out in terms of how businesses can market and attract those customers that we just spoke about. So you know, many, many business owners will be into it as we'll be looking at 2021 as a pretty much a make or break year. No, this is with the last with everything that's been going on for the last eleven months. No, this really is make or break for a lot of businesses already. Um so what are your thoughts on how twenty twenty one will play out? Um what's your what's your thinking behind that? And which which how do you see things happening in, in the next few months and beyond? So as far as 2021 being a make or break year, I, I think this is a loaded question, especially because there is such a diverse listener base today. We have people joining us from all over the planet, as well as from many different sectors ac across the industry. And I recently researched the state of pent-up demand in the travel industry, and, and I published a white paper on my results. But my key finding was that the release of pent-up demand will be a function of many different variables. Uh, meaning that it will be different across sectors, destinations, source markets, and demographics, and it won't be the same for everyone listening. Now, for example, if you're a tour guide in Japan for Italian clients, you're very subject to Japan allowing visitors and Italy allowing travelers to leave the country and then return with minimal regulations. In that situation, your 2021 will look quite different than a tour operator that operates tours on every continent from multiple source markets at multiple price points. And the bottom line is the more flexible and adaptable you are, the better your 2021 will look. And of course, you have to be proactive in marketing and sales this year. For sure. That, that's exactly the advice that we've been giving a lot of operators and, um, that we work with and, and those who we don't work with and that no, stopping marketing is probably the worst thing that you can do. Um, no, there's no, getting in front of those customers at a time when most of them are looking for things that they wish they could be doing or wanting to be doing when when things lift is the ideal time to get in front of them. And no, just it's just you know I understand that some people think that they can't afford to do that, but there's so many free options out there, you know, putting up social posts or creating a piece of content on video on your iPhone or writing something, but you know, you don't need to make, it doesn't need to be a, a Hollywood blockbuster novel or a film or anything like that, as long as it's engaging enough, you know, at least you're getting content out there and you're letting people know that you're still existing, you're still here and you're, you've not been out of business and all the other things that come with it. But if you can inspire right. someone to inquire a book, it's so important during this, this whole phase, isn't it? So. Yeah, and I think also too, that the more you're in, in contact with customers, the more top of mind you have. And when travel does become kind of a viable option, they'll think of you over any competitors. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, for sure. And, and you mentioned that the, the demand there. Oh, yesterday, you know, I'm based in the UK, so yesterday the UK government, for right or wrong, you know, put, put pretty much put a, an end date on when they think COVID's going to be finally out, out and we're all going to go, you know, the doors are going to op open up again. And basically that night and today, the bookings have soared. Um, people are, are already saying they've got so many bookings happening in terms of future flights and everything else that's happened, whether it's within the UK or beyond. And it just highlights that, from what I've been saying for many months, and I'm sure you have been the same, is the travel demand is just is just crazy. You know, as soon as those restrictions are lifted, as soon as those doors open, everyone will want to escape. The same four walls have all been staring at for the last 11 months. So, so you've, you've hit the nail on the head, I would say. Nice. So, so in, in, in terms of what business you should be focusing on, um, no, and I could share some some uh, some uh, stats a little bit later as well. But obviously, you've done your own research, etc., and things like that. But should businesses be focusing more still in twenty twenty one on local and domestic, or do you think international will pick up again, or or do you think international is going to be hindered in certain ways as well? So, companies that are are the flexible and can focus on either local or in, international are going to be the most successful. Um, so we all know that domestic tourism was a key component to the travel and tourism marketplace in 2020. As an example, in the USA, 12.6 million travelers visited to South Dakota in 2020. Uh, this was only a 13% year-over-year drop in visitors. However, this is primarily domestic travelers, with international travel spending decreasing by 82% year-over-year in South Dakota. Wow. Yeah, so just to kind of sum that up, South Dakota... Mm -hmm had only a small year-over-year -year decline in visitors, but that was bolstered by domestic traveler business, mostly alone. Mm. Um, so the big question is, will domestic travel continue once international alternatives become available? And I think at first, definitely. It is important to understand the diffusion curve. And the diffusion curve is generally talked about in terms of new technologies and how they are adopted. But I believe it will be similar as travel destinations open up around the world. Uh, there, of course, will be those early adopters and frontliners who will travel internationally as destinations uh, first open. But there will also be those late and early majority and all the way to like the laggards who will not jump on that international travel bandwagon at first, uh, but will continue to travel domestically, if at all. As marketing professionals and travel executives, we need to first decide which of these groups our, tar our target markets primarily fall into and then make decisions on what to focus on during the interim. For example, your business model may have focused on middle-class travelers in the past, but you may see that backpackers or elite travelers are starting to travel ahead of those middle-class travelers. So you'll want to, you'll have to choose to stay with your same target market or start to cater to those other groups. Likewise, you may find that certain geographic and cultural targets are overperforming comparatively right now. And, and that's where you have to make those decisions about what kind of business model you have in the short term and, and moving forward. No, for sure. And and I know for from the research that we've done, again, I'll share a couple of stats in a minute, but um, no, the, the over 60s in the UK and possibly in, in, in the United States as well. Um, well, in fact, from our research, definitely the United States, but the over 60s is certainly going to be one of the first markets that will be able to travel because they've got their vaccines quicker and everything right. else and all these other things. So so if, you, if you're not already targeting that market, that may be a prime market for you to, to go after because they, they want mm -hmm. to get out there and, and escape and, and, and visit friends and family again and do all the things that they want to do. So, um, And one of the actually... The, 
good things that I saw um, for the cruise industry is, is the demand for cruise ships from our research is actually quite high, um, which was surprising. I know that's had a bit of bad press recently, the cruise ships with the whole COVID pandemic and everything else. But from the, from that age group, no, they, they, they it hasn't deterred them from going on cruises and they want to do cruises again, et cetera. But, but what I found... There's a couple of stats from the research that we've done, and again, we'll share a link at the end of all this where you can get this, these stats. But um, from the stats that we've done, it's very similar. We've, we've looked at North America, we've looked at Europe, we've looked at other UK and Ireland and other, some other destinations, and the vast majority are pretty much the same in terms of, uh, well, I've got the stats here in terms of the general stats for worldwide, but over 54% have said that in 2021, even when restrictions are lifted, the type of holidays that appeal to them the most is still local and domestic. Um, mm. 28% was short haul, so one to four hour flights, which would be typical within the United States as well, going state to state. Uh, and then long haul, five hours plus, was only 17%. So it's it's giving an indication of this media time, people are still thinking local domestic. Yes, we'd love to maybe late in the year go to somewhere that's maybe four hours away, whether it's a drive or a flight, but going long haul, is maybe something they're thinking about early 2022, I would say. And that's from the research that we are doing. That That's the sort of time frame that we are seeing things plan out. I don't know if that's something you would maybe see or agree with yourself. Oh, yeah, I definitely see that uh, it's going to be the frontliners, the early adopters, the people that have a very high risk tolerance that are willing to travel, especially, you know, at first when they're not sure if, you know, they get to in destination or they book their trip and then the regulations change. You know, you have to kind of be okay with ambiguity to be able to travel at this time or start even looking at travel, those really long haul destinations. Yeah, yeah. So in terms of, you know, if, if local especially, or maybe say for the next six months, uh, is going to be one of the main focuses to go with local and domestic in 2021. With maybe the exception, I'm going to talk a little bit about OTAs at the moment, so maybe the exception of Airbnb, um, because people get, I live in Scotland, so I look at Airbnb to travel to different places that me and my family, we'll have to go to cabins with hot tubs and the kids enjoying themselves and all that side of things. Um, but most OTAs aren't really equipped for the local and domestic market, um, which for those operators or for those people who are heavily reliant on OTAs may find difficult to get bookings through that those sort of platforms because of that, that, that issue. So in your mind, what can businesses do to try and negate that possible sort of short haul or shortfall from OTAs. Now, what can they maybe do to try and bolster their, their bookings and inquiries this year for domestic? I think the first thing I would absolutely recommend is geo-targeted advertising, whether that's social media or pay-per-click or any other channel. Uh, for example, when setting up your Google ads or Facebook ads, you'll want to specifically pick cities or countries, maybe a, a 15 miles, 100 miles or something like that from those places and, and that you really geo-target those ads. Uh, this would be the easiest way, I think, to get local clients. Another idea that I would say is to pitch stories to local media and bloggers mm -hmm. using a variety of platforms to get out in front of as many people as possible. Uh, another, another thing that I really love, and this is in out of COVID is strategic alliances. You want to look for those partners that you can work with, uh, such as stakeholders in your community. For example, if you're a hotel, you might want to reach out to local tour guides, restaurants, museums, and attractions, as well as the tourist boards and DMOs. 
you could create a package or a promotion or simply cross promote. Uh, this way you can pull your resources and even your marketing lists. So a museum attraction or a restaurant may have more regional consumers um, or locals on their marketing list than say a tour guide. Um, mm -hmm. The, the yeah, first no. thing, Okay. Sorry. <laughs> so the, the fourth thing I think is affinity groups. Um, for example, if you are a tour guide that specializes in foodie tours or wine tours, architecture and history tours, these thematic offerings really lend well to approaching affinity groups. You can find affinity groups on Facebook and social media or Google searches for those groups. I would reach out to the administrators of those groups instead of just posting on their site and ask if they're interested in partnering. A lot of administrators are looking for value adds for their groups. Uh, so your tour may be that perfect fit for them, um, but be prepared to negotiate as well. Some administrators may want a commission or a discount for their group. And then in that same vein, schools, colleges, and clubs at those schools might also be interested in thematic tours. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, um, the PR is, is one of those instances that a lot of operators don't look at or, or do or whatever, and it's, it's quite underutilised, I think. And yeah. One of the one operator that I know of, uh, Laura from uh, Local Food Adventures in Auckland, um, uses PR a lot, though when her tours sort of shut down because of everything, it, like everyone else's did, she moved to food boxes and she got a lot of PR off the back of that, and she was doing themed boxes for Valentine's or Christmas or whatever um, and she got a lot of PR off the back of that and that helped her sell more boxes and and I know of others who did similar things so it's using your local news channels especially with domestic being and local being such a big aspect for this year as well it's 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 that though these these publications and in, in these places are, are are screaming out for good stories and um, mm. they're always looking for a good story and if you can utilize that then you know I think yeah PR is highly highly underutilized and i think people just put off because they think it's hard and it's not really it's well, most of these people's email addresses are on the website so all you need to do is contact them so it's it's right. not that difficult so but um but yeah. yeah no it's pr for sure is definitely one i would recommend great uh yeah. the only I, I wanted to add one fifth one i i would absolutely recommend reaching out to local travel advisors too especially mm. ones that specialize in your region letting them know about your service your offering what sets you apart um, and if they are located nearby, you might want to offer a freebie to them. Let them try out your service. You know, give them a free tour, a free night stay at your hotel, or a free meal at your restaurant. This way, they know what they're selling. Yeah, yeah. No, I definitely agree with that. That's good, good, good advice. So, one of the other things that we found from our research would be good to get your take on it. Is and this is actually, out of all the research that we did, um, again, asking the 2000 travellers, this was the one that really sort of blew me away, to be honest. And and it was, the question that we asked was, was when travelling in 2021, well, what types of tours and activities appeal to you most? Um, and what we've seen is a massive shift in terms of travel intent away from guided tours to mm -hmm. self-guided and private. In fact, self-guided tours uh, was selected by f over, just over 56% of the people that we asked. 32% or 32.5% was the private tours, but only 11.25% was guided tours, which I found incredible. Um, you know, people have made that shift. Now, obviously, 
when vaccines come, in, come into play more and destinations open up more, their mindsets may change. But for the immediate future and for the few months ahead, self-guided and private tours is the main focus. So what would you say to those in the industry who don't cater for that, that only do guided tours? Now, how can they switch up their brand messaging and their products and everything else that they're doing to, to try and cater for what's potentially going to be quite a huge demand in private and self-guided? So I, I honestly think this might be, you know, obviously you said there's a short-term uh, mm. situation, and I think it's also indicative of the traveler demographics at this time. Um, as far as people switching from guided tours to self-guides, uh, when it comes down to it, nothing really beats that local guide, and people mm. will still want that. Uh, you mm. get such a much deeper understanding of the culture, the history, the insider secrets, um, but in the end, it will come down to the traveler's willingness to pay. When you compare the cost of a group walking tour to a private guided one, you're in completely different ballparks. And yeah, again, it's, it's truly about the willingness to pay. I recently read an article in the Wall Street Journal that compared the revenue of airlines in 2020 based on whether or not they blocked off that middle seat. The finding was that more people care about a cheap airfare than comfort or even pandemic safety. Um, and I, I know this will be quite different across demographics and cultures, uh, but I do believe it comes down to that willingness to pay. And again, that's kind of mid to long term. So in the short term, travel companies that want to fill in the gap, I think it comes down to qualifying your clients to know what product and level of service they are looking for. As far as brand messaging, I think it comes down to knowing your clients. Are they interested in the safety aspect or the personalized experience? And you can absolutely find this out during the qualification stage. Um, find out where they are in that marketing sales funnel and what their level of comfort is and what they want to know. Mm -hmm. um, so as a note in this, I, I'm actually a huge fan of considering behavior versus self-selection. A customer may self-select that they're only interested in providing, but when it comes down to that price point, you might find that a small group tour or a larger group tour with safety practices mm -hmm. would work better for them. So if you if you really want to steer people either into the private guiding or, or away from it, you could start with an email that kind of explains what the private guiding is, maybe the cost of it right up front, but then also have information that they can click to on their um, on the safety practices that you have in place for your small group tours. Mm -hmm. And if they click through that, then then they might have been slightly deterred from the, the private guiding price, uh, but interested in the small group tour. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, a, also, that's a good point. Uh, yeah. Oh, sorry. I, yeah, I also think <laughs> that... Um, Right now is, is just such a great time for lead gen. I, I know you said that a lot of people are steering away from it because mm -hmm. they just don't want to spend the money right now when, when kind of sales are down. And, and But it is such a great time right now to mm -hmm. do lead gen because people wouldn't, people wouldn't be searching for group tours right now if they weren't interested in them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I completely agree. You know, uh, no, with the companies who we help, we're doing a lot of Facebook advertising, that type of thing, and we're not spending huge amounts of money on on these ads because the companies can't afford to or whatever because of cash flow and not many bookings happening. But the amount of inquiries that are going through is incredible. Mm -hmm. People, like I say, that demand is there. People are inquiring, so it's, it's it's massive. I think it's also too that there's not many people that are advertising 
mm-hmm. jewelers right now. So you, you get a better price because you don't have much competition for that price. Yeah, definitely. And, and, and one of the things that you mentioned earlier on about, you no. Know, People choosing it over price. No, they may prefer to do a private tour, but yeah, once they see the price, they maybe go, "Okay, let's go guided." Although I do believe that, um, you know, some some indications have pointed to this, but I do believe that, especially at the initial stages, this may happen over the next two or three months. You no, know, once things open up again, it's because people have been locked in for so long. If a tour, which would normally cost, again, this is just for talking sake, but normally cost fifty dollars, was suddenly a hundred dollars, they would probably pay it just to experience something different. Because they think, mm-hmm. no, what sod this? I just want to have a good time. I just want to get out and enjoy myself, and uh, I'll pay that extra bit of money just to just to do it. So there'll be that side of it as well, um, because just people are just being fed up for eleven months. So, oh yeah, absolutely. Especially with the kind of the more elite travelers, the those people will be definitely willing to put down the money for the private mm-hmm. guided tours. Yeah. Yeah, but that's interesting. No, no, no. Self-guided was one of these ones. Even in two thousand nineteen, was the fastest growing sector. So there does seem to be a demand there for it, and I don't see that going away anytime soon. But it's, it's just one of these aspects that a lot of people think. No, and I agree with you. No, there's nothing better than being with a person and and getting that story straight from, from straight from them. No, and that type of thing. But there is, a lot of people out there who do just want the self-guided. Where in businesses think oh i can't do self-guided it's it's not really what i want to do but at the end of the day you're not really doing anything different you're still supplying them with all the information you're maybe booking up the travel tickets or whatever you know, going into attractions and doing that all that side of side of it for them possibly the only thing you're not doing is giving them a tour guide so having a, a product that's maybe slightly less expensive because it's mm-hmm. self-guided but then your your guided one is seen as more luxury because you do have a guide you do have someone that's taking you around and everything else i could see that's maybe where the industry is going to go whereas your self-guided would actually be end up being maybe what your guided tours are at the moment is more than mainstream your guide self-guided will be more mainstream and then your guided tours will be seen as more luxury and bespoke and and, and higher end and i think that's probably a possible way that the industry is going to go I, I, that's the way i see it going anyway so I, I agree that, that that could be the case. And I also think that it might be also indicative of the more local domestic travel right now. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, I wouldn't hire a, a guide to go to, um, you know, Colorado Springs from, from I'm, I'm mm-hmm. based in Denver. So I wouldn't hire a guide for that. But I would hire a guide if I did travel to, say, Japan right now. Yeah, exactly. Well, in fact, I did that. I, I went to Japan God, it was a long time ago now, but you no. Know, um, for for two weeks or two and a half weeks, we had a guide. The last week and a half, two weeks, we went self guided to, try, but they organised everything for us, the hotels and everything else. And it was the best of both worlds. You no, know, going to, especially going to Japan, such an unfamiliar place. You no, know, you're with a guide mm-hmm. who, who can speak fluent Japanese. You no, know, showed you around, showed you the best places to eat and all that type of things. And then you were a little bit more confident to go off and do your own thing right. after being there for a couple of weeks. So, um, most hybrid sort of things work really well, in my opinion. So, yeah. That, and that would definitely take that cost, mm-hmm. make it more feasible for some people. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So if, if, if businesses had to choose one marketing initiative, um, and this will possibly be one of the last questions that we ask, and we'll go through, I can see some questions coming in now in, into the chat. So um, if businesses had to choose one marketing initiative that they should be doing right now, whether it's local domestic, whether it's Facebook advertising, what what is what is it they should be focusing on? Should they be focusing more on just getting out there and show, you know, 
highlighting who they are, what they do? Should they be more focusing on their brand messaging? Or well, how do you, what do you think this should be that one thing they should be focusing on at this moment in time? So this one might be surprising. I, I honestly think collaboration, that travel, the kind of finding those strategic alliances. And travel is such a massive industry and there are so many players and stakeholders and there's a lot of false information and travel shaming right now. But to rebuild economies on a micro and a macro scale, travel needs to come back. Just to give a couple key US points, travel supports one in 10 jobs in America and is America's second largest industry export. Mm -hmm. In 2019, domestic and international inbound spending reached 1.1 trillion US dollars. And travel-related job losses represents 38% of all US job loss through 2020. Wow, and that's, that's incredible. Yeah, it's roughly 8 million jobs. Uh, it's just a huge number. A lot of these people have transferable skills. They were able to go into other industries. But the truth is that other industries can't subsume even a fraction of that job loss. So it's going to take widespread collaboration across geographies, across sectors to bring back travel. And of course, there's a lot that can be done with partners, affiliates, media, et cetera, in collaboration to help rebuild on a, on a personal or a micro basis. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and no, I've, I've seen it here with a few companies in the UK, and I know others are the same. It's so even approaching your competitors. No, no, it's, some of the people that I know of who run typical sort of coach tours and bus tours and that type of thing are, are, are getting together because you know, the cost of having these buses and coaches and everything else is obviously quite expensive and they're getting together, although they're staying as separate companies, they're getting together to share travelers, to share the workload, to do that, just to help both of them survive. And there'll be many businesses out there as well that will do that side of things. So it's, it's like, look, look at your competitors, see if you can create those partnerships with them as well. And if you're too busy one day, then you can give them the extra customers you hopefully will have and vice versa. And there's, there's so many benefits to it as well. So, mm -hmm. so yeah, because partnerships is very important. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I can see a few questions coming in. Um, uh, one I can see on Travel Master, which I can't display on screen. Um, do, 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 do you see the booking windows changing for lead time internationally? Um, so, yes, personally, I do, but I'll let you answer this yeah. one. <laughs> yeah. I think, especially right now, especially like what I said, that there's uh, ambiguity about. Uh, whether or not a travel destination will close down or flight gets canceled or or anything like that. So I think that's so much shorter of a booking window right now. Um, you know, I personally, I, I'm not looking to book travel in six months. I'm looking to book travel next week. So it, I definitely see that as, as a thing that a lot of people yeah. are doing, that they're, they're looking to book for very short end. Mm -hmm. No, I, I, I'm exactly, I fall into that camp, you know, as, as I say, me and my family love to go visit Scotland or down in England or whatever, hire a cabin and do little day trips here and there with the kids, etc. As soon as we are told we can do that, the next day we will be booking up, so it's um, trying to find a place, it's just just to get away and escape, and so yeah, I completely agree. And then we'll be, well, last year we were meant to go to Lisbon, I've got family in Lisbon, and as soon as we can, we'll book that up as well to try and go there, because... Um, where I'm situated, it's a three-hour flight, four-hour flight at the most. So it's, um, yeah, it's, and we've seen that happen already with what the UK government have said, next day, 
so many bookings. So um, I'm just waiting a little bit longer, just just to be sure. Um, but yeah, it's it's something I'm going to certainly do. Um, I can actually see one question here. It'd be good to actually get your thoughts on this because it's. Um, I'm going to show this on screen. It's unfortunately I don't have their name. It just says Facebook user. Um, but what's your thoughts on video and virtual tours? And the reason why I wanted to get your opinion on this, virtual tours has been one of these things that's been mentioned many, many times of people saying, oh, you should move to virtual tours because we're on lockdown and everything else. I have my own personal feelings on virtual tours. Um, what's your take on virtual tours? I think that it's not going to be a replacement for travel ever, but I think it, it can actually be almost a marketing tool as well. So I would absolutely, if you can do virtual tours, I would look at, at doing that. I do know of, you know, there's a, a company called Beyonder that can you can work with to list your virtual tour, but I don't, I, I think that this situation has actually shed light on how important that can be. And that there, even after COVID and the restrictions are lifted, uh, virtual tours will still be around. Uh, mm. Maybe not as big as they would be right now, but I do think yeah. that there will always be a place for them going into the future. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it was quite interesting, again, with the research that we've done, though a few operators tried, well, not many, but a few operators tried virtual tours, but very little made any significant revenue from it and it was something that again it's what i've been seeing pretty much since these sort of started sort of raising their heads is great for brand awareness great for getting your story out there and as a lead-in tool um, for a proper tour and a real you know tour and everything else but it's i just can't see how you make decent revenue from it to to make a living from it and, um, i just i just can't see it but. Yeah, and I would I would agree that it, it's not going to completely replace uh, a living, but it mm -hmm. could be something in the meantime. And, and you can also use it as more of like an aspirational thing to get people very interested in your your product, your your offering when travel does come back. Yeah, yeah, this is an interesting one. A little bit what we spoke about, but forever at young travel. Uh, do you think senior travelers? Will likely be booking long haul holidays, or rather, or rather see family. Mm. That's an interesting one. As I, as I mentioned, I th no, I think it's a different genu generation. You know, when you think of the over maybe over seventies, eighties, and things like that, people who still like to travel, but those who were brought up during a time when well, you had Second World War and everything else, they're they're, they're less scared of these things, um, and, and they're more likely to possibly travel long haul, but like I say, many of them are still interested in cruises and that type of thing. That's not going to stop them. Um, but, you yeah, know, I think I think there will be some which, yeah, would rather see families, you know, if, they've, you know, if they've not been able to see their family for 11 months, then that will certainly be high in their cars. And I think they'll do both, to be honest. And I don't know what your take on it, but I think both will be high in their agendas, to be honest. I do think that, that both will be very high on the agendas. And actually, that's one of those opportunities right now is to look at multi-gen travel and market it to those senior travelers so they get a chance to kind of do both at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, perfect. Yeah, you know, bring your family along, get together, have your grandparents or parents there. That, that, that's a, a great demographic to target and a great people to target for, for those type of products. So, yeah, can't agree more. Can I agree more? Uh, let me just see what this one is. Old mates, Muzz. <laughs> what I'm seeing in travel agencies is a huge move. Move to automation. 
It's cheaper to fire a robot than a human. Uh, is there much automation happening in the market uh, and advertising world? Um, get any thoughts on that? So yeah, marketing and advertising automation um, is, is definitely a thing. Uh, but I think right now, you want to be very careful about your automation, especially anything that existed in automation prior to COVID. The messaging um, has to be looked at very, very um, in depth. And I think also that it comes down to uh, really ultra targeting your clients uh, based on their demographics, their um, geographics, as well as their, their buyer behavior. Um, if they're engaging with, with emails or, or that kind of thing, um, and then automating based on, on their behavior. I think that that's, that's really the, the best way to do it. And um, I, I don't think that you should ever fire a robot or a human. <laughs> So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, and I think um no, we you've been a marketing agency, we use some automation, um, but I I don't think you know, automation works to a certain extent. No, there there's always got to be a point. No, and I think that's a trap that a lot of businesses fall into. They think everything can be automated. I don't I just need to sit back, watch the money roll in and I'm no I'm happy. It doesn't work like that. No, you you automate it to a certain extent and then you need to have that human interaction with someone. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I, you can certainly have to do both um, until AI becomes you know, super intelligent. It can handle all that for you, and you think you are talking to a human. Although we're maybe talking into Blade Runner territory here, but um, but no, I, I think we're way off that. Yeah, but I think you need both both aspects. You no know, automation to a certain extent. Because um, I should see on uh, I said that's a hot topic here in the UK, and Frank uh, Willoughby on Travel Massivist says. Uh, what we think if a vaccine passport is actually needed to allow people to travel more freely. There's been a big thing in the Scottish government as well as the UK government that they don't want this because they think it'll uh, go against people's rights and you'll end up getting to the point where products will only be based, uh, only be bookable based on your medical history, which goes against all different aspects. Mm -hmm. But do you, do you think a passport like that would eventually come in? Do you, do you think it's a good thing, bad thing? No, it's, it's one of those ones we just, it's, it's a bit up in the air at the moment. Uh, so actually, it's funny, I, it, this reminded me of a, a talk I sat on many, many years ago, I went to a tech college, and they said something about, yes, we can develop this technology, but the question is, should we? And that's yeah. always a question that should be asked when you're when you're looking at the technologies. Um, I think that having a vaccine passport that's digital might actually be very, very helpful, um, especially one that can't be hacked into and, and changed. Uh, but as far as being able to access your entire medical history would be, it's a, it's a very slippery slope. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's so. I'm a, I'm a bit on the fence in this. No, I, no, I embrace Facebook algorithms and everything else. Not being a marketer, I don't care if Facebook knows my history personally. I know a lot right. of people do, but I, I don't care. Um, but I, do, I, I, I can understand the argument for it, and and I. And I agree with most of it, to be honest, but I, I personally, I don't see anything wrong with saying, okay, see, you've already got a chip in your passport, so there's nothing wrong to say on that passport, it tells you you're allergic to nuts, or you've had a COVID vaccine, or you've had this or had that, because um, we already do it to a certain extent, if you're going to certain countries to get, you have to be vaccinated to go to, you've got to show that you have been vaccinated for that, so I, I personally don't see it being much different from that, but yeah, I, I do agree that it shouldn't have 
your entire medical history on it. And it doesn't matter if anything say, anyone says something's can never be hacked. Anything can be hacked. You know, if, if people put their minds to it. So, um, but if it's just basic information, you've had this, you're allergic to this, then I don't see anything personally wrong with that. But I can't see it happening personally. I, I, I think there's too many people going against it that don't see it happening. But you just never know. You never know. Um, I actually have another question from Forever Young um, with everything that's going on. Do you think China will be a destination given with all the negativity towards all things Chinese? How do you see that one playing out? I think this is going to be a cultural question. Um, it's going to be different across all of all cultures. Mm -hmm. uh, personally, I I actually I don't think I would have a problem tra traveling back to China, and and actually do want to go go back after COVID. I see that there's been a lot of deals for for China travel, um, so I think that. I think people are, are questioning that, yes, but I personally don't, I don't, I think it's going to be a person-by-person -person cultural question. Yeah, no, I agree. Person, yeah, I'm the same. I think it just depends on where you are. No, I, I've been having an issue going to, uh, going to China. Um, no, once if I'd been vaccinated, then I would be happy to travel anywhere, to be honest. So, um, but yeah, no, it's it, it just depends who you are which type of news you follow and everything else it's going to determine right. yeah, what's up. Um, so I've got a question here. I've got a couple more questions and I think we'll be done. We've got a question here from Andrew Zeno. Uh, between promoting by themselves versus working with an OTA style platform, operating ventures, etc. Obviously there's been the, the, the sad news about them recently. Um, which can retain users on this platform and then promote multiple destinations to those users? Not too sure if I get the question, but Promoting to themselves. I, I I think that you're asking which one they which one to go with to, to mm. put more attention into. Um, so I, I definitely think that that uh, working with partners of any form is going to have the best effect. Uh, yes, you can promote yourself, uh, and I would still do it even if you're on an OTA or working with other travel partners. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Actually, that's another question, which may be a little bit easier to answer. Um, is uh, blog posts and content should be pushed evergreen content rather than date or event products? What would you advise on that? So, uh, so I think that you need to do a little bit about a little bit of both. You definitely want to be producing a lot of that evergreen content that you can continue to use um, and reuse even after COVID. But having kind of date or event or very specific type content is also important. Mm -hmm. You know, for example, yeah. I with my behavioral economics and, and marketing podcast, I very rarely do stuff about COVID or, or that specifically. Now, a lot of the things that I talk about can definitely be transferred and reused in relation to COVID. But I want to keep it evergreen so that I can reuse it in the future. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think this will be the last question because we're coming uh, close to sort of 45 minutes to the hour. Um, I want to keep to it. Um, Purple Heather Scottish Tours, um, who's actually been a, a lifelong member of, of Travel Master Glasgow. Um, again, with Sandra, you're you saying, but owing, uh, owning a private tour company in Scotland and trying to sell tours to adapt to British tourism just doesn't work any ideas. Um, personally, because 
I'll, I'll let you jump in on this as well, Sandra, but personally, from my own opinion, yes, there's going to be, again, as we mentioned, a bigger increase in local and domestic, but we're targeting US, I know, I know Purple Heather Tours uh, targets a lot of American clients, American tourism, uh, or tourists rather, and those 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 tourists will still want to travel to Scotland or Ireland, or because there's the, the strong connections between both. They may not travel this year, but they might travel next year, and you still target them to build up those inquiries, and that's what I would be doing now. Um, but I I don't see that going away, and because the UK vaccinations actually been pretty good, uh, and it looks like the American uh, sort of America, the USA and the UK will actually be leading in terms of vaccinations coming out at the other end of this, more so than other destinations. But you'll probably find, um, again, there's no crystal ball, but you'll probably find there'll be some sort of travel corridor or bubble or whatever name they come up with um, between the US and the UK because of that. So you may actually find the it's maybe looking a little bit rosier. Maybe it doesn't feel like it now, but it's looking rosier than what it was been maybe a few months back. Um, so I, th I think maybe not what you want to hear, but staying staying firm, but trying to attract those American customers now for later in the year or into next year. Personally, I don't know what you think, Sandra, on that one. Oh, I absolutely agree with what you're saying. That right now, trying to trying to attract the customers that are looking from uh, you know England to go to Scotland or from Ireland to go to Scotland might be your best bet. Uh, also be looking at that long, mid to long term, because as vaccinations are rolled out, if they do open a travel corridor, um, that kind of thing, it will start to look up. Mm -hmm. And no, looking to see if there's any way that you can uh, pivot or uh, look at what your resources are and see if there's anything that you can do in the meantime is, is the mm -hmm. most, you know, best yeah. way to... to yeah. Work with no, it I right agree. And, now. Yeah, I agree. And no, the, the many people from England come up to Scotland, like well, many people from Scotland go down to England, and same with Ireland as well. You know, there's a lot of traffic between both islands, so it's that would be you know for those type of customers. Yes, you may not be able to charge the same amount of money you can charge an American um, as what you would normally do to someone in the UK. Um, no, there is there is the. It's, more a, it's, a, it's not a misconception, but no, I remember we did a test a while back, but it's, you could basically put the same product to someone from America and someone from Germany and have the, the, the one of them at a higher price and the Americans would, would pick the one at a higher price because they think it's better quality. That would tend to, <laughs> that would tend to happen and it happens more time than not. Than not. Um, so you know, trying to do what you do or maybe cutting back what you do for a typical American customer, but for someone from an England or, or an island to make it cheaper um, but you're still making decent revenue would be what I would potentially do is, is trying to cater your products for that market basically. Um, that's what and I, I would also I would also do some of those things that I said, reaching out to local media to try and get stories written about you and reach out with your your local travel agents, the ones that specialize in travel through throughout the UK. Um, they might be your best bets. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, I agree. I agree. Well, I think that's all the questions we've got. Um, the one there from Caitlin, actually, I think I don't think it's more of a statement, maybe, but um, on Travel Massive, um, we are seeing a solid number of leads coming in. 
but none are interesting in putting in bookings yet. Any ideas on how to encourage more people to take the next step? I think this comes down to ultra-segmenting your list, trying to qualify them as they're coming in to put them into those segments based on whether they're looking, you know, just looking for aspirational stuff right now, or if they really want to know that uh, health and safety, the regulations, that kind of thing, um, or if they're just, they're ready to book. You know, when you segment that list, then you can uh, send out very specific information to each one of those segments based on their needs. And at that point, when they're in there, you really want to be building trust. Um, I think that's super key mm -hmm. to it. Um, so do you have Definitely. anything to add to that? Yeah, yeah, no, building trust. It's no one will buy from you if they don't trust you. So that's a massive part of the whole process. And I'm sorry, Caitlin, I don't know where you're, where you're based, but um if you were based in the uk for example um you no know, with after with what the government's saying and we're seeing that increase in bookings happening already as no i would be emailing everyone who contacted you and made that inquiry to say we now seem to be getting out the other end of this no put a spin on it with your own story you know we're now taking bookings we're doing all these things and really excite people to book again and you know, get in touch with every single one of them again and, and something along those sort of lines um again i don't know where you're based but that's um that's why i would if you're based in the uk that's why i would be doing so but uh, Sandra, I can't thank you enough. Um, uh, it's it's been a great chat. I've, I've learned so much um, from from yourself. My, uh, no, being a, mar a fellow marketer, I love learning new things, um, and uh, from from my my fellow peers. So I can't thank you enough for spending the time uh, chatting with me and you know, answering the questions. And hopefully, many of them out there have have uh, benefited from from your advice. So I can't thank you enough. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on too. I, I absolutely do enjoy chatting about marketing and, and learning from other marketers as well.